Today we continue our summer sermon series, Real Faith, looking at two movies, sometimes called Barbenheimer, mostly Barbie with a little nod to Oppenheimer, but also a reading from the Gospel of Luke. Listen to this passage from Luke 10, beginning at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen the better part. Which The writer Sue Monk Kidd is probably best known for her debut novel, The Secret Life of Bees. But before she wrote that, Before she wrote any fiction, she wrote a spiritual memoir that is absolute must-reading. It's called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. And she starts with a story about her own daughter, Anne, who was only 14 at the time. She had a part-time job at a drugstore where she worked, mostly after school. And Sue had gone to pick her floor, rearranging the little boxes of toothpaste. And as Sue approached, she noticed two adult men in front of her who upon seeing the girl, one nudged the other and said out loud, that's how I like my women, on their knees. And the girl froze in horror, as did Sue, who was still standing a little ways back. And she said, time stood still. In that moment, that girl was every woman, assaulted. And Sue, it took her moments to find her voice, and she confronted the men, and as they walked off, the one said to the other, women. Sue Monk Kidd tells as well about growing up in a Baptist church and going to vacation Bible school when she was eight or nine years old. The kids had all gone out to play, and the boys and the girls got into an argument. Who's better, boys or girls? And it went back and forth, back and forth, until finally the boys said, shut up. And the girl said, typical kind of line on the playgrounds, who made you boss? And the boy said, God did. God made boys boss. So the girls went to the vacation Bible school teacher and told her and said, what's the deal? And she said, well, technically the Bible does say men will rule over women. So yeah, they're kind of your boss. In a drugstore, she would later call that holy misogyny, the idea that somehow it's ordained by God that women would be inferior. And then she tells another story. Again, eight, nine years old, she dressed up for church that day in a lavender dress, white gloves, Mary Jane shoes, and the piece de resistance, a matching lavender parasol. And for some reason, this parasol was like, just filled her with joy and self-confidence She was expressing herself, and she took a beautiful act, and and it was confiscated. And she said it wasn't until she was a grown woman, when she embraced the feminine, when she started to ask questions of even the Bible about male patriarchy, that she finally got her parasol back. I love that metaphor. She got her parasol back. I think Sue Monk Kidd would like this story in Luke's Gospel. It's about two women, sisters. The traditional interpretation is fairly familiar. 
the Martha welcomes Jesus into their home and sets about to host a dinner party. She's Martha Stewart of the first century. And Mary's in the living room, and it doesn't say this in the text, but we sort of get the idea that things don't go so well. Maybe a pot boils over or something, and Mary's, or Martha starts to boil over, and she sees Mary just sitting out there, and finally she's had enough, and she confronts Jesus. She says, do you not care that my sister's left me to do all this work? Tell her to get up and get in here and help me. And the way it's phrased in Greek, she fully expects Jesus to see it her way. But he doesn't. Instead, he chides her. He says, Martha, Martha. It's never good when they use your name twice. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted about so many things. Mary's chosen the better thing. And of course, we all know that better is, if Martha's ever going to get her parasol back, there's going to have to be some questions asked. Because for 2,000 years, that traditional story that we've heard was an interpretation championed by men. But in recent years, women have started to ask questions of the text. Really good questions. Gospel and in his book of Acts, his second volume, he champions the cause of those on the margins, including women. He does. And in his gospel, he tells 42 stories about women, which is far more than the other Gospels. And not only that, but Luke likes to pair up stories. He'll tell a story about a man and almost always follow it with one about a woman. Equal airtime. He'll tell about a shepherd who lost a sheep, and then he follows it up with a woman who lost a coin. Or in this chapter, he tells a story about a Samaritan who helps a man in a ditch, follows it up with this story about two sisters. But here's the thing. Luke mostly wants them silent. A woman never preaches in the book of Acts. Mary is the ideal because she sits there and doesn't say a word. And in the Greek, there's nothing about a meal. Her many tasks, her help, it's actually the Greek word for ministry. Martha has a ministry that has preoccupied her and she wants Mary to help with this ministry. What is she supposed to do? Is it okay, like in the Samaritan parable, it says, go and do, go and do. Can the men go and do, but the women need to sit and be quiet? Can, can Martha wear a lavender dress, but just don't bring a parasol? Greta Gerwig's movie story. Never in a million years would I have thought that I would say that sentence, that I would see a movie called Barbie, but it's not a little girl movie. It's set in Barbie land where every day is perfect, just like yesterday, just like tomorrow. And yes, Barbie admits that she was always beautiful and thin, and even if the girls who played with her weren't always. But, but Barbie taught girls that they could be astronauts, not just beauty queens. But the movie moves from Barbie land, plastic world, to the real world. And it seems like it's because a woman named Gloria is going through a dark time. She played with Barbie when she was little. But she's going through a dark time along with her daughter, her teenage daughter. And most critics and moviegoers have said, Gloria steals the show. 
She has this incredible monologue. Listen to part of to be a woman. You have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You're supposed to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the time. You have to be a career woman, but always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory, and nobody gives you a medal or says thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And as a friend of mine said, she cried through that whole scene. Martha is distracted and agitated, and maybe she has every right to be, because it's just impossible. And the movie captures the other side of that equation, the male patriarchy. Ken goes into the real world with Barbie, riding in that convertible. And what does he discover? But male patriarchy. You know, like trucks and magazines about tires for trucks. And horses, lots of horses. And flat screen TVs and beer. But if you see them, and there's so much going on in Oppenheimer, but... You can't miss the fact, especially if you see them together, that there's so much male patriarchy in Oppenheimer. If the women are there, they get to watch the kids, mix drinks for the, the husbands, maybe take dictation. But of course, what the men make is a bomb that can destroy the world, and maybe will. The Barbenheimer phenomenon reminds me of an interview I heard on NPR. John Burnett was retiring after 36 years of reporting world news. And the host asked him, is there anything, just one thing, that you think could make a difference in the world? And without hesitation, he said, elect more women leaders. There's too much testosterone in positions of power. Let me give you a parable. In 1974, the National Book Award for Poetry came down to three finalists. It said something like this. We, Adrian Rich, Audre Lorde, and Alice Walker, accept this award on behalf of women everywhere who've been marginalized and often mistreated. And we believe that working together means more than competing. All the little girls in our church, be whatever you want to be, and we will support you. Be an engineer, be a beauty queen, be whatever you want to be. Be a preacher like Carla or Catherine. 
Be whatever you want to be. And to all of you who were little girls in church, be an elder or a deacon because not everywhere is that possible. And bring your questions. And if you want a parasol, maybe you don't. But if you do, lavender, pink, whatever, go for it. Open it up for all the world to see.